You know I love my chicken fry Cold beer on a Friday night A pair of jeans that fit just right And a radio up A lot to see the sunrise See the love in my woman's eyes Feel the touch of a precious child No mother's love Well, I was raised up beneath the shade of a Georgia pine, and that's home, you know. The sweet tea began pine, homemade wine, where the peaches grow. And my house, it's not much to talk about, but it's filled with love that's grown in southern ground. And a little bit of chicken fry. Cold beer on a Friday night, a pair of jeans that fit just right. And the radio world, I see songs. See the love in my woman's eyes. See the touch of a precious child. No mother's love. And it's funny how simple things in life. That mean the most, not where you live, what you drive, or the price tag on your clothes. There's no dollar sign on a piece of mind, but I've come to know. So if you agree, have a drink with me, raise your glasses for a toast to a little bit of chicken pie. Go beer on a Friday night, a pair of jeans that fit just right, and a radio girl, a seems alright. See the love in my woman's eyes. Feel the touch of a precious child. No mother's Thank God for my life and for the stars and stripes. May freedom forever fly. Let it rain. Salute the ones who died and the ones that gave their lives so we don't have to sacrifice all the things we love. Like our chicken pie. Cold beer on Friday night. A pair of jeans that fit just right. And a radio world, world, world. Well, I see sunrise. See love in my woman's eyes. Feel the touch of a precious child. No mother's love. You know I love a chicken fry. Cold beer on a Friday night. A pair of jeans that fit just right. And a radio world, world. Well, I see sunrise. See love in my woman's eyes. Hello, this is William Fink, and this is the Christoginia Open Forum. Sorry about the technical problems tonight. That that, that um, Eck Brown band was my, was my pinch hitter. Uh, I had something lined up on YouTube, and Firefox let me down. I didn't have the time to download it. Download it before the program. I um, 
I'm going to stay on this topic for a long, long time. The other night I had an impromptu discussion here, and I demonstrated um, seven witnesses in the New Testament that God did not create the non-Adamic races. And I'm going to mention them right now because I'm staying on this topic. I'm not going to let it go. People that want to imagine that Yahweh created the non-Adamic races as we know them today and that they're going to be here after the return of Christ and that we're going to somehow rule over them by the law of God and give them the law that we've been trying to give them for 500 years and they're, and, and they're, they're nothing but destructive animals and, and that's evident in our society every day. Well, those people are just sick. If you believe that Yahshua Christ is coming back to allow us to rule over Negro and, and Latino and, and Arab beasts, well, you're just sick. You have a problem. You, you know, I have a note here, January 25th, and a lot of people don't see this the way I do because they, they just don't listen to every program or, or they only half listen to some programs or, or they missed something, whatever. I have a note here. Yahweh's Covenant People, January 21st, 2011, Eli James and myself, 59 minutes and 30 seconds approximately into the program, Eli James says that saved simply means salvaging of the race. Eli said salvation in the Old Testament has no other meaning. That's what he said. And then on January 23rd with Greg Howard, Eli James said that the Mexicans are going to go back and live in Mexico after Christ returns. Well, well, is that not salvaging of the Mexican race? On the same program, he said that um, the Canaanites are going to go back to Canaan and live where they were created. Well, well, they're bastards. They were never created. Is that not salvaging of the race if that happened? Of course it is. What does that boil down to? That boils down to universalism. He's speaking out of both sides of his mouth. And I'm going to keep bringing this up because there are fools who imagine that Yahweh created these bastard races. Yes, they were created under the permissive will of our God. But they were created through the sins of men and angels. Genesis 3, verse 1, is an allegorical statement. We don't have any clue as to any of the characters and, and their... their um, their identities, their abilities, their intentions, when we open up a narrative until we begin to read it. Genesis 3, verse 1, And the serpent, and, and I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't have it in front of me, And the serpent was slyer than any beast of the field which Yahweh God created. And some people want to take that statement and say, See, that proves Yahweh created all these races. But, well, does that prove that Yahweh created the um, mule, for instance? But which men took donkeys and, and crossbred them with horses and, and created mules? Of course it doesn't prove that. That's ridiculous. Well, there's a lot of mule people around, too. And, and we can't blame the bastards that we create on our God. We can't blame our sins on our God. Can't be done. Don't blame Yahweh for your bastard child. Could Esau blame his bastard children on Yahweh? Yahweh hated Esau. Because he created bastard children. Therefore he laid his heritage to waste. And he shall. So the people that want to insist that Yahweh created all these bastard races. They're blaming the sins of men on God. 
That's what they're doing. They're failing the test of Job. What we really have in Genesis 3.1 is we have an allegory. The word serpent is the Hebrew word. It's one literal Hebrew word for snake. Snake is more cunning than any beast. Not all the beasts of the field that God made. Not all the beasts. That, the statement is not saying that God made all the beasts of the field. Eli is pulling the insides out of that verse and turning it inside out to make it mean just the opposite of what he says. Eli's doing the same thing with Genesis 3.1 that the Catholics do with the promises to Abraham. He's pulling a Canaanite bait and switch. The serpent is more cunning than any beast of the field which God created does not insist that Yahweh created any beast of the field. What this verse is doing is it's setting up an allegory so that we understand once we discover the entity being spoken of is a person, which we don't discover until the next couple of verses, right? Then we will understand why it was called a serpent. Why this serpent word, this image of a serpent is being used to describe this entity. Because of its cunning. That's all that Genesis 3.1 means. And it sure as hell doesn't intone that Yahweh created all the beasts of the field. Because when beast of the field is used of two-legged cognitive creatures later in the scripture, and it certainly is in many places, it's not a biological definition. It is a pejorative. A pejorative is a term that normally does not have a negative meaning. But you use it in a negative sense to describe something in a metaphor or in an allegory. That's a pejorative. But when you see a, an evil man and, and an evil beastly man, or, or an evil beastly biped or hominid, I should say, and, and he does something horrible, you say, that damned animal, you call him an animal. But we all fit the description of an animal. But we're using animal in that sense as a pejorative, so that it becomes a slur. Every man fits the definition of animal, just like beast of the field in Genesis 3.1 is actually Che, and Che is a living thing. Serpent was wiser than any of the living things which Yahweh had made. That doesn't mean that Yahweh made all the living things. And people are really perverting the use of that verse. You know, Yahshua Christ said that um, his enemies sowed the tares, right? He didn't do it. He's not blaming Yahweh for it. Well, Yahshua Christ said that Every plant which my heavenly Father did not plant shall be rooted up. Again, he's not talking about real plants. He's making an illustration. And we can honestly, without doing that phrase any damage at all, change the word to race, because that's what he means. Every race, every species which Yahweh did not plant shall be rooted up. Well, he said that to the Edomites. The Edomites are bastards. They're a plant which Yahweh didn't plant. Remember the words of Jeremiah to Judah. Yahweh says in Jeremiah chapter 2, How have I planted thee a pleasant plant, and thou hast become a strange vine unto me? And then he goes on to talk about the sin can't be washed off. There's clearly plants here on this earth that Yahweh did not plant, and they shall be rooted up. When you look at your Bible, the only race of people that we could say with any confidence that Yahweh planted is the white Adamic race. In um. And I'm going to walk through them again. I'm going to walk through them probably 80,000 times before I die, I pray. The, um, the parable of the sheep and the goats. The, the sheep and the goats are separated as a farmer separates sheep and goats. That's all the nations are separated in that manner. And, and that's by race. 
And all the sheep go on the right and the goats go on the left. And then those nations are judged for their deeds. And, and, and they're judged not for their deeds, but if you read the parable carefully, they're judged for how they treated these, the least of my brethren. That's how they're treated. But the sheep and the goats are evidently judged for how they treat the children of Israel. They're separated, and all the sheep end up in the kingdom of heaven, and all the goats end up in the lake of fire. You have sheep and goats. There's no third choice. Where's the third choice? It doesn't say sheep, goats, and mules, and, and we're going to save the mules and send them back to mule land. It don't say that. Likewise, with the parable of the parable of the net. Nets cast into the sea and pulls up every kind of fish. The word kind is enos, and it means race. Every race of fish is in the net. And the good kind, singular, good kind is stored in vessels. And the bad kind, singular, bad kind is thrown into the fire. There's two races in the world. There's the children of Adam, and there's the bad kind, period. There's no third choice. There's no third choice that goes back into the sea. You are a good kind of fish or a bad kind of fish. You're a wheat or a tare. You're a sheep or a goat. There's three witnesses. Paul says in Hebrews 12, you're a son or you're a bastard. There's four witnesses. Paul doesn't say you're a son or a bastard or a Mexican who's going back to Mexico to live out eternity. Oh, Paul doesn't say that. You're a son or you're a bastard. There's no third choice. By the way, all Mexicans are bastards. That's the definition of Mexican. In um, the book of Jude, and, and in 2 Peter chapter 2, in both of these, that, these um, books, we have people who are described as clouds without water. That would be a broken cistern. A broken cistern is a vessel that can't hold water. One of those books, I, I, I forget which one's which, right? Calls them wells without water. Twice dead, meaning that once their bodies are dead, they have no life because they have no Adamic spirit through which, as Paul teaches us, we have the resurrection. It's the Adamic spirit within us that's our real life provided with children of Adam. Well, both Peter and Jude basically state that these people who are clouds without water were twice dead don't have that spirit that Yahweh gave to the Adamic race, those people are sharing in our communion unworthily, and that they are like evil beasts made to be taken and destroyed. So we have three parables in Matthew, and we have Paul in Hebrews, and we have Peter, and we have Jude. You're either worthy or you're unworthy. There's no third choice. You're an evil beast made to be taken and destroyed, which means you're a bastard or a goat or you're that bad kind of fish. There's no third choice. How many witnesses do we need? In the mind of our God and His Word, there's only two races. There's the children of Adam. There's everybody else. You could nitpick over your biological distinctions, but all you're trying to do is fight over what sort of bastard the bastard is. In the long run, is one more witness, and that's um, 1 John chapter 4. In 1 John 4, the apostle says, we, meaning the children of Israel, we are the children of God. We were born from above. We have the Spirit of God. 
said to examine every spirit to see whether or not it is God. There are spirits from God, and there are spirits that are not from God. Why? John tells us why in 1 John chapter 4. Because they're from of the world. They were created in the world. The spirits of bastards in Enoch are the source of evil spirits and demons. There are spirits from God and spirits not created by God. It's a very clear message in 1 John chapter 4. These other races were not created by Yahweh. They were created by the sin of the world. There's eight witnesses in the New Testament. I hope that those of you who know people, most of the people here don't contend with this, those of you who know people that do contend with this, I hope they hear this. It's a very clear message throughout the New Testament. Every plant my Heavenly Father did not plant. Spirits which are from Yahweh and spirits which are from of the world. I would say that the bastards, oats, tares, spirits from of the world, they're all in the same category. And none of those scriptures, eight scriptures, the evil beasts made to be taken and destroyed, they're all in the same category. None of those instances offer a third choice for any of us, or for anybody on this planet. And there are more scriptural witnesses than this. You could go to the Old Testament, anchor worm, the palmer worm, beasts that we had to be sown with. That's what they are. They're beasts. They're not beasts just for the sake of this prophecy and then they become people later and, and they get saved. It's ridiculous. I, I, can't, I, I can't let this slip by. I have to harp on this. A lot of people are going to think I'm harping on this. I'm not letting it go. You're, well, you're damn right I'm not letting it go because gonna, it's going to keep coming out of my mouth. That's my obligation. I didn't want to talk about that tonight, but, but it, 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 um, it, it played on my mind all day and I had to get it off my chest. I had some words with people on TalkShoe. I'm sorry, on... on on Facebook earlier in, in the week, and, and I just had to get that off my chest. And, and um, I'll talk to any one of those people any time about this. But, but and I, I want to see how many times they denied the scripture. I was going to talk about something else tonight. I, I actually didn't have a topic, but that, that did weigh on my heart for the last three, four days, ever since my, my discourses, my, my exchanges that I had on Facebook. I don't like Facebook. I only go there when I'm compelled to go there, or, or honestly, when I want to spam one of my programs or one of my articles. Uh, I post it on space, Facebook. I hate Facebook other than that. Facebook is a, um, it's another rabbit hole for the sheep to get their legs broken. You know, if we, I asked a dear friend what I, what, what I should talk to tonight, and um, she brought up the subject of geocentrism. I, I'm not really prepared to talk about geocentrism. If anybody wants to talk to it that might know the science better than I, uh, I, I would invite that. I do not believe in geocentrism, and I do not believe that the Bible insists upon geocentrism. People want to believe it. They want to believe every word in the Bible is literal. I'm not going to say is literally true. There's no doubt to me that every valid word of Scripture, every valid word that the scribes didn't screw with, right? Every valid word of Scripture is absolutely true. And for the most part, that, that the overall um, story the scribes did not screw with, right? And, and most of it can be established. Most of Scripture can be established to be of great antiquity, and, and the, the Spirit can lead us to, to understand what's right and what's wrong. 
and and and, and on paper, right? From from the ancient manuscripts, not because we 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 want to patch an emotion on top of scripture to patch something up that we think is wrong. But given enough um, but room to wiggle. And enough fuzzy science and, and enough um, supposition. Yet you could make just about any theory look, look probable or, or or even plausible, right? But what if this? What if that? What if that? I'm just going to go to a couple of scriptures. Joshua 10:13 said, "And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies." Is this not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of the heaven and hasted not to go down about a whole day. Did Joshua believe that the sun stood still? I have no doubt. I have absolutely no doubt that Joshua and, and the children of Israel looked up in the sky that day and the sun didn't move or, or appeared not to move and, and um day lasted 24 hours or, or as many as 36 hours, right? I, I mean, it's somewhere in there according to the text because it said the sun stood still a whole day. Well, well it may have been standing still at 4 p.m. for a whole day, right? I, I mean, it could have been a 34-hour day, no problem. I have no problem with that. But just because the sun stood still from the perspective of a man, that doesn't mean that the sun stood still meaning that it usually moves around the earth from the perspective outside of this sphere, right? But we have to understand that the Bible is written in the frame of reference of a man standing on earth. And Moses writes the, um, the, the Genesis account, it sounds like it should support geocentrism, but, and it does, but... It's the frame of reference of a man standing on earth. That's the perspective it's written from. I could use an analogy. If you're in an automobile and you're traveling and you don't know that you're in an automobile. I know it's incredible, but it's an analogy. You don't know anything about automobiles and you look at the trees. You think the trees are moving, don't you? Oh, the trees are moving. And in reality, it's you in the automobile that's moving right? Everything's a matter of perspective. Once you understand the automobile and how it operates, then you'll understand that you're moving past the trees. But if we put blinders on you and put you in the side window and have you look at the side of the road and you don't know you're in an automobile and you don't really know anything because you have no experience with automobiles, you're going to think the trees are moving. That's just to, to, to an, an analogy to, to get people to think about the, the perspective and the frame of reference and how different things can be seen from, from different positions. The Bible is written from the frame of reference, from the perspective of a man on earth, and it would look like the sun stood still. Well, well you could probably take the earth and stop it or move it in a different direction, and it would appear in the sky as if the sun and the moon stood still. And I'm sure that that's just as plausible. So what I'm saying is that the Bible cannot really be used to quote-unquote prove that the earth is, that the universe is geocentric, right? It really can't. And I know there's other scriptures. There's um, 1 Chronicles 16.30, Fear before him all the earth, the world also shall be stable, that it not be moved. Well, well that, that, could, that word moved has a wide range of meaning there, right? And that word earth can mean land, 
And that word, and, and it was translated land, that's the word eretz. It's the same word that identists, Christian identists argue over the flood story that it does not mean the whole world. And it doesn't. So a Christian identist can't look at, at 1 Chronicles 16.30 and argue that it does mean the whole world, meaning the planet. Okay, so, so you're talking out of both sides of your mouth if you do that. And that's, it, it uh, Eretz is a word that means land. Okay, it could mean a continent. It, it could mean a, 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 any, any piece of land. Where it says that the earth not be moved, that could mean does not quake or does not shake. It could mean that there won't be any earthquakes. It doesn't have to mean that the planet stands still all the time and it's a promise from God that it's never going to move. That is a childish supposition. You're making a supposition from this verse, and, and it doesn't have to mean that at all. If we apply it to everyday life, it simply means that this land that we live on is going to be stable, and that's all it means. So we can't, there's nothing in the Bible that insists on a geocentric world. It's just not there. Aside from the Bible, it should be nothing that shakes our faith if we learned that the planet is indeed, or the universe is indeed, heliocentric, meaning the sun is the center of the, of, of the, of the um, solar system. That doesn't shake a Christian's faith. Yet, you know, the Catholic Church, they perceived that as shaking their faith, but they really didn't perceive, they didn't really found their beliefs about the universe on the Bible. They founded their beliefs about the universe on the Greek philosophers, Aristotle and Ptolemy. And the Greeks were divided on this issue. There were Greek philosophers who thought the earth was flat. Aristosthenes called the earth a spear. Rabo followed the geographer that I quote very often on Christogenia. Strabo followed Aristosthenes and, and understood that the earth was spherical. Actually, I'm going to tell a little story about Aristosthenes. Aristosthenes relied on somebody else's measurements, and I forget the exact cities, and I apologize for that. It's been a long time since I read the story. He relied on somebody else's measurements for the distance between two cities. And he recorded that measurement. And then he used mathematics in order to gauge the circumference of the Earth... Because he knew the distance between the two cities, and he knew how long it took the sun to reach the bottom of a well from dawn in those two cities. And using those calculations, and, and the math is over my head, it's calculus and, 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 and heavy geometry, and, and um, I'm sure if there was a mechanical engineer here, he would understand right away what I was talking about, the... Um, or an astronomer, right? That the sun, from, from the moment that it rose until the moment that its light shined in the bottom of a well that was so deep, and, and from that, Aristosthenes calculated the circumference of the earth at what we would call, um, I think it was 28,000 earth miles. And he was wrong. He was off by about 3,500 miles. English miles, I mean. He was off by about 3,500 miles. But... He relied on somebody else's measurement between for the distance between two cities. And if you look at the distance between the two cities, you'll find that that measurement was wrong. And if, if Aristosthenes had had the correct measurement, 
he would have had the circumference of the earth right. And the mathematics he did, it, it, it proves it out. And, and why I'm bringing this up is to show that there were alternate schools of thought in ancient Greece. They didn't all think the world was flat. The book of Job, in Job 26, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm standing up, but I need my... Job 26, verse 7, it, it says that he, he, meaning Yahweh, stretches out the north over the empty place and hangs the earth upon nothing. Okay, so Job understood that the earth hung on nothing, that it was suspended in space. And, and Isaiah talks about the circle of the earth, and, and they understood that it was round. And the circle of the earth, that phrase appears in a, in a few places in Scripture. So, so the ancients, well, we have to give them a little more credit. The Catholic Church, the, the medieval church, they based their cosmology, that their view of the, the, the universe, uh, on... Aristotle and Ptolemy, not on the Bible, and, and that paved the way for the conflicts between the, the Romish Catholics and, and the um, men, men of thought, I'll call them like Kepler and, and Copernicus and, and Galileo. The, you know, Christians are attacked, and that and they either attack or defend the Bible based on the Catholic beliefs of the Middle Ages, and not on what the Bible really says. There is a lot of evidence that the earth is indeed, ge that, that the, I'm sorry, that the universe is indeed heliocentric, or our solar system is indeed heliocentric, that the sun is the center of our solar system. There's a lot of evidence, um, scientific evidence, and the scientific evidence has been observed. It's not modern. It's not Jewish. There's a lot of truth in the postulates of the theory of, of um, relativity. It did not come from Einstein. The theory of relativity was only stolen, it, its components were stolen by Einstein from good German physicists. A lot of them anyway. And a lot of the postulates in the theory of relativity came from good German physicists and, and they have been demonstrated and, and they've held up over time. Uh, I'm not going to really comment on, on relativity. I know that the Jews abused the whole thing and, and the Jews attributed all to Einstein and I know that's all a fraud and, and I'm not really even going to get into it. But, but there are a lot of good postulates in, in the theory of relativity that, that were developed totally separately in the 19th century and early 20th century by, by good German physicists. The, the, um, the, the, the Coriolis effect, the, the equatorial bulge, which is real, the aberration of starlight, the stellar parallax where, where stars do appear in, in a slightly different location at different times of the year in the night sky, that they can all be used to show that the Earth certainly moves in relation to the sun and, and the stars. And, and the Christian from the Bible is doing us an injustice trying to make certain passages insist on a geocentric universe. So we could talk about beasts of the field. We could talk about the geocentric universe. I don't care what you want to talk about. I hope that somebody wants to talk about something because um, there's usually a couple of dozen people here, but not a whole lot of participation lately in these open forum programs. I can't continue to have open forum programs without participation. I mean, that's I I could record a 15-minute 
talk and just go out and walk my dog and play it on my computer at a scheduled time. I mean, <laughs> it's I'm, I'm not trying to rag on anybody, but we need participation if we're going to have open forums. And that's what this is about. Hey, Bill, have you heard of John DeNugent? Well, yeah, I, I get his mail, and every once in a while we exchange a couple of pleasantries. He, he's... um. He sounds like a nice guy. He's a little out there, but he sounds like a real nice guy. And, and his intentions are good, but he's into some strange stuff, right? Yeah, because I was watching one of his videos. He's part of this whole Salutrian movement. And yeah, I know. It's really... It's, um, it, it's fallen angel worship as far as I'm concerned. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, he had some, uh, like, mongrel on it, uh, some, like, Egyptian-American. And he was saying, like, yeah, you know... I, I want to help you. I want to help your movement uh, because you know we got to stop this CC stuff because you know I was picked in my school by blacks and everything. I'm paraphrasing it. He was more you know less uncouth than I am right now describing him. Well, yeah, right, and and that's the mistake that all. I think the two C line identity is the only sure foundation, and we can that there's no fruit whatsoever in trying to work with people of other races. It, it, the fruit's not there. Yes, you get the occasional exception among the other races, and, and they're more aware that, than even the average white person, but there's no fruit. On, on, I don't ever see any fruit in working with those people. So somebody asked me the other day, uh, not that, that you know, I, I don't know what kind of, um, if I said yes, I, I don't think anything would have become of it. If something became of it, it, it would, I, I don't care. But but somebody asked me the other day if you if I would work with if I would go on coast to coast. Well, while Art Bell's a Jew and George Norrie's Lebanese, there's no way I would go talk to those people ever. And 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 that's just an example. We we if George Norrie called me, I would politely just say goodbye and and hang up on him. And, and I'm just using that as an example. Not that I'm even coast to coast material, but but um, I'm just using that as an example. Christ has no concord with Belial. None whatsoever. And, and we can never think that we can breach that. Yeah. I understand. I mean, there's, there's like a limit to what we can accommodate. Like, I think an interview maybe with John and Egypt might be interesting, and especially Harold Covington. I like him. You know, he seems on the same page. He's Christian. So. Yeah, yeah, maybe a discussion. I don't think that I'm a good interviewer, right? I, I, I don't. I, I'd rather be asked questions than ask questions. I, I mean... I don't, well, even with um, Kevin McDonald, where we had a lot of common ground, uh, I Brian asked most of the questions, right? He, he's the, probably the much better interviewer than me, I would think. But yeah, if, if um, but we could get him on here for a discussion, but but I don't know if we're, we're going to um, be eye to eye over, over the Salutrian thing. I, I mean, I see them as, you know, this planet, uh, I believe the planet has a long history, probably Men were here for a couple of hundred thousand years before us. They weren't us. They were these bastard races or they were fallen angels. That's the way I see it. Now, all culture that's here, I, I believe, came from either the Adamic peoples or the fallen angels. Because the other races have never created anything. But that's, that this, I think this Salutrian thing are, are people that are trying to piece together a... a um, they're trying to piece together a civilization from fragments of a past that must have included what whatever happened here before Adam, which we could only attribute to, um, which I could only attribute to fallen angels from, from the biblical perspective, right? Yeah, I don't know. I think 
they, they just believe that, uh, like these, you know, the Clovis point, and you know, the Clovis points. Were, right, the Clovis culture and this yeah. talk that it came from France. I, I understand yeah, all that. Yeah. I, I understand his premise. The Clovis culture is, but but it's um yeah you know there you have that they're building a civilization out of some arrowheads and 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 stone tools right. I guess. <laughs> and that's basically what they're doing, and and we really don't know about that, right? Uh, I mean, there's not much more there than arrowheads and and um little knife what what they perceive to be knife blades and stone tools. That's it. Yeah, we already have a rich culture to unify us. We don't need some new and stuff. Well, right, we don't need it. I don't, you know, I've seen anthropologists find what they think, but what, what they thought was part of the skull, and, and extrapolate it into an entire culture and race of men, and it ended up it was part of an elephant's kneecap or, or something silly like that. I mean, that has happened, right? I mean, Java Man and, and things like that were, clear, were, were clearly um, misinterpretations of, of findings, right? King Man or, or whatever it was that this there's a few of them that have turned out to be um, totally wrong, right? And these anthropologists like to extrapolate a whole country. Piltdown Man, thank you, John. And, and these anthrop anthropologists like to extrapolate an entire civilization out of a fragment of bone. <laughs> it's just crazy. It, it's that they're trying to create a, a belief in evolution through that through through those those tactics. It's like Lucy was a total fraud. Lucy isn't even human. Lucy is an ape. And it, as soon as they find this this million-year-old ape, or however old it is, it, it can't even be determined accurately how old it is. As soon as they find this ancient ape, it's everybody's mother. I think Whoopi Goldberg is an ape. Well, well, yeah, she's probably Lucy's descendant, but not I. <laughs> but, well, the um, there was another one very similar to Lucy found. It was called Salah. That that actually proved that, that um Lucy was an ape, right? Australopithecus afarensis is what Lucy is. Yeah. And the finding of Salah proved that. But but when that was discovered, it did not make the original. It, it didn't make the media, right? Uh, I mean, they they sold us on evolution. They convinced half the people in the world that Lucy is everybody's mother. And when when they found out that Lucy was an ape, it didn't make the media. Yeah, um, I've been looking at Aborigines lately, like Native Australians, and they look kind of like Homo erectus. Oh, well, yeah, but they're not Homo europus, and, and that's all that matters. Whatever was here before us, if there were any, whatever, if there were any bipeds in the original creation of Yahweh, hominids that were more intelligent than an orangutan or, or a gorilla, we may never know, but. We have to envision them as beasts, and we can never, ever envision them as men. And we have to understand that all the other races we see today, the New Testament categorizes over and over again into the category of beasts, goats, pears, plants that Yahweh didn't plant, bad fish. It doesn't matter what they are. And and, and if there wasn't an intelligent um, or, or a semi-intelligent hominid, that it was in the original creation. Well, well, that's nice, and, and I'm sure that um, if it's still here, Yahweh might preserve it. But it don't matter. But they're not Mexicans, and and they're not American Negroes, and they're not modern Orientals because they're all bastards. And, and history will tell us that. And any honest examination of history proves that.
Oh, what did you what did you learn in um? Yeah, you haven't taken any astronomy courses, I'm sure, right? Just biology courses. Oh, maybe you just left. WCB is still there. Bruce, did you have anything? Well, that geocentrism and heliocentrism reminds me of the uh, the uh, myth mythology that went around that the world was flat, and uh, and then there was I I don't know if it's true, but I heard that. Some Jews made that up so that they can control the trade routes, you know, and put fear into the minds of the uh, Anglo-Saxons from traveling because they wanted to have dominion over the world. I don't know if that's hearsay or what, but coming up with uh, theories and myths, even if they're not scripturally based, they they are uh, they really don't make sense. But well, right. But the geocentrists will will cling to those scriptures. And, and insist that they that they teach that the earth is the center of the creation, but that's not what they're te- teaching necessarily. So we have to be careful not to make that error. That that we have to be more objective than than that. Yeah, and I don't know where the uh, the Catholic Church was was the organization pushing that whole geocentrism, wasn't it? Well, well, yes, the Catholic Church insisted on geocentrism, and that the earth was flat and had four corners. Because there, there's a saying about the four corners of the earth, but but that's not what what it intones at all. You know, that's just a, that that's just a, a a saying. That's all it is. It's it's not a scientific statement. Just like Genesis three one is not a scientific statement. Isaiah eleven twelve, dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. That doesn't mean the earth's a square. It, it's just an, an allegory. It's just a a a, a, a um. A saying, like you have a hole in your head, right? I mean, that doesn't mean you really have a hole in your head. Well, we actually have seven of them, but they're not literal holes. They're just access to the side of our head. Another place is Revelation 7.1, that the angel standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth. So the earth only has four winds. I mean, if we take that literally, we could get in a whole lot of trouble. Well, it seems to me a, uh, there's, it seems to me, maybe I'm wrong, that it's well, no. It's logical that the, it's it's more of a control mechanism of of twisting a particular so-called scientific and scripture verses to fit a uh, control mechanism in those who deem themselves religiously minded, when in fact their their whole basis is based on myths. Well, well right. Being um, anti-geocentric is not being anti-biblical. That, that's silly. And the Earth certainly doesn't have four corners. And you could judge that the Earth is round simply by looking at the horizon and, and walking, looking at a mountain on a horizon and walking away from the Earth. And the mountain disappears. It, it gets shorter and shorter and shorter as you walk. It, it's very clear that you're walking over a curvature. I, I mean, so, so the flat Earth, four-cornered people are really pretty mad. That's, that's a madness. It, it's um, insisting on taking the word of Scripture literally makes us look like fools. In, in many cases, and we have to take uh, understand that God spoke and, and the people uh, of the Bible spoke in, in, the, in the colloquial terms of their period, of their era. They used the common colloquialisms that were in use, that they didn't talk a language that nobody understood. So we have a lot of allegory in Scripture that's missed. Well, it was amazing the uh, <clears throat> amount of... Uh... Uh, stupidity. I, I know a uh, 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 a man who used to profess Christian Israel identity, 
And then he comes up with saying the niggers were Adam and Eve. And, uh, you know, it's just based on some stupid, sympathetic, intellectual feeling. And Yahweh is not just based on intellect and feeling. He's, he's, he's greater than uh, any thoughts we can conceive of. And that's a belief in evolution. You have to believe in evolution. And, and it's a violation of Yahweh's law of kind after kind. And that's what Eli James violates when he takes the beasts of the Old Testament and tries to make them nations to be judged by the laws of God in the New Testament. He, he's professing evolution. They evolved from beasts into nations, into men. <laughs> yeah, it's quacky. Uh, hello, Clifton. Hello, Mike. Hello, Mike. Oh, well, WCB disappeared, and, and um, the whole thing tried to appear, and he couldn't. Maybe I'm, I'm just on two separate servers tonight. Hey, Bill. Hello, John. Yeah, Bill, I got in here real late. Uh, I, actually, I just got here, so I'm, I'm not sure if you wanted to talk about something specific. But, well, um... I mentioned, uh, I think I mentioned eight witnesses in, in the New Testament that Yahweh did not make the other races. And, um, and and then we talked about geocentrism for a little bit. Right. I'm not prepared to talk about either one. Uh, well, I, I suppose I can pull something out. But I do. <laughs> well, well, you don't have to talk about one of those items. I mean, you can talk about something else. Okay. Uh, you know what? I was wondering about, you mentioned this in one of your shows recently, and I was like, uh, by Revelation chapter 12, and I was wondering, who is, I, I, I'm pre I have a pretty good guess, but who is the Michael in that, in Rev chapter 12? But, well, you know, it doesn't matter who the Michael is in that. It's who is like God. It's somebody that stood up for his race, right? One of the angels that stood up for his race. And, and, and Michael is who is like God. That's what it means. Now, now we could understand that it means a particular angel named Michael, I mean, I don't have a problem with that. But I think that the Michael of Daniel is not the same Michael. It, it, it's who is like God. It, it's, it's, a, um, it's an epithet rather than a personal name. That's what I believe. So it's allegorical? Yes, much of the Bible is. Uh, well, yeah, this angel, if it was an individual angel... Um, I personally think it's... Uh, well, it says Michael and his angels, so it must... But, be well, it... it, it I have no problem with it being an individual angel, but his name, his given name isn't necessarily Michael, right? It's an epithet. Right, right. So it's basically uh, those who sided with God. Right. It's funny, they, they call this Michael the Archangel. I mean, is that, uh, is that Archangel title appear for Michael anywhere in Scripture? No, I like to think that there is a place that mentions Chief Angel, right? But I'm... I'm I'm not sure because it's been very, it's been way too long since this topic's come up. Yeah, sorry. We have Archangel in 1 Thessalonians 4.16 and in Jude 1.9. Archangel doesn't necessarily have to designate an official title, just a, a chief angel. That, that's all, a leading angel, right? That's all it could mean. So this spiritual war, I mean, God allows this spiritual war to take place even between the angels. I guess, why not? That's what Revelation 12 says. Hello, Mike. Are working now? Yes, but, you, you know, I gave you talk power, and when you left the server and came back, it, it was away, right? Yeah, I, I switched mics while I was on here, and that's why when I tried to turn this mic on, it didn't work. I had to log back in again. Well, how are we doing tonight? 
Oh, we're doing all right. I just got over a butt-kicking cold the last couple of days, or I laid around in bed, but uh, it seemed to subsiding finally after uh, lots of teas and kale and garlic and all types of goodies and food. So now I go back to eat McDonald's and whatever else, I guess. <laughs> You're inside, though. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding about the McDonald's or fast food in general. I hope. Haven't heard from Bob in a few days. I'm going down there Saturday. Uh, yeah, I just talked to him on the phone today, so it's uh same old, same old situation. You had to pick this Saturday, Bill, when I'm working again. Well, I can't help that, but I'll be there until um, either late Monday or early Tuesday. I'm not sure if I'm going to be here next week on, to have this open forum. I'll, I'll, if I am, I'll post it on the front page of Christagenia, and if it's not on the front page of Christagenia, I won't be here. So if it's not on the front page of Christagenia on um, on Monday morning, then I won't be here on, or, or Sunday night, then I won't be here on, on, um, on Monday night. I'm not sure if I'm coming home late Monday or late Tuesday. That's Most of that's going to be up to Bob's schedule, right? Okay, we can't be done with this after only in an hour, and I spoke for three quarters of it, so somebody has to have something to say. I got a little bit more, Bill. I mean, uh, this is just a, something I'm pondering over about Judas Iscariot. If he was a devil, you know, and why would he care whether he, he betrayed Christ? I mean, he killed himself. Even the even the devils notice one God and they tremble. Jews kill themselves all the time. The Jews display um, they display that quality quite often. Look at all the Jews that tell on Jews. Look at the um, look at Bobby Fisher. Look at look at uh, um, what's I'm trying to think of his name that worked for um, that that New York senator. I can't. The names are just lost on me right now. Right. Well, look at Myron Fagan. There's a lot of Jews that that develop some sort of conscience. That don't mean that they're fit for the kingdom of God. Jews are telling on Jews all the time, and and Jews kill. They have a high rate of suicide. They have a high rate of mental illness too, but they have a high rate of suicide. Yeah, that's why a lot of them become psychologists, so they can try to understand what the hell's wrong with them. No doubt. I can't. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to pretend to be able to explain that. Does Satan have remorse. Maybe sometimes when he realizes that he he could have had something better and lost it, I don't know. It doesn't make them any less Satan. Right. It's like when uh, Quest mentioned to me about this fellow uh, uh, Weininger. He killed himself. uh, Because Otto Weininger. Right, right. He uh, killed himself because he couldn't change from being a Jew. It's the Jew that worked for Jacob Javits, the New York senator that that wrote that big um, booklet that a lot of people in Christian identity just love, right? Because Howard Rosenthal, right? Was that his name? I think that was his name. Well, he didn't write the book. It was uh, White, uh, Walter White, that wrote it, and he interviewed him. And uh, Rosenthal was a very, very extremely arrogant in that book. But, well, right, but it was also a big expose of the Jews. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it was. They do things like that all the time. I, I, I'm i not going to try to understand the motives of, of Satan. I just can't do it. I guess there's a part of humanity with that being the fact that they are from creation. There's got to be some sort of um, God within them, right? But, well, I'm, they all have enough of our genes in them. 
even Negroes display some intelligence and and and, and sometimes show sometimes show some some human qualities, right? I was just having this discussion the other day with somebody about that too, about our genes influencing these these well Jews, Negroes, and everybody else with some semblance of of righteousness in them. Just you know, obviously not themselves being righteous because they're what they are, but our somehow our genes influencing them to sometimes steer towards the right direction. Well, absolutely. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to blend in with us at all. We'd never fall for it. If they always act, acted like the animals they were, they would never be able to blend in with us. They'd never be able to live on, among us. We wouldn't have these problems. <laughs> you know, if the parasite uh, sucking the blood out of its host, it's going to take on uh, some of its characteristics, but it's not going to be the innate, innate heart nature of their genetic makeup. It's going to be a uh, facade. Most gullible white folks, those of us who embrace the beast, uh, we're we're just buying into that. We're we're buying into a, a, a sucker. We're we're saying, oh yeah, you can suck the blood out of us and pretend you're. Well, well, absolutely. They don't have what it takes to to enter the kingdom of heaven. Period. And they shouldn't be here except for our trial. It's our sin that brought them here. Eagle Man, what do you have for us tonight? Oh uh, well, it's clearly off topic. There is no topic. Oh okay. Um, basically, I, I found out some information that, uh, uh, what, what is considered justified murder under God's law? But what is justified murder under God's law? Well, uh, can, I, can I differentiate something there? Yeah, if, if it's justified, it's not murder. Well, I just make exactly. sure if you find out somebody has been molesting a one-year-old niece, if it's okay to kill that person. Yeah, well, you know, I would say that in the Christian model, the ideal Christian community, we wouldn't kill that person, that we would excoriate him from the entire community, and his separation from us would kill him. But we don't live in those ideal times. And I think that if a man protecting his children or... or, or, or um that they were apparently in danger, had, had to defend them, that, yeah, it would be justified to kill that person. But if the danger is past, it's probably better that you didn't kill that person because vengeance is Yahweh's, and that's the Christian hope, and, and that's the display of Christian faith that we should have. What about, like, breaking his fingers or hand? Well, isn't that um, fleshly gratification to see that person suffer even though you know he deserves to? I guess. Okay. And then that's a, conscience, a, a decision of conscience that you'd have to make, right? Yeah. You always get a restraining order against the son of a... Well, the mother would have to do that. I just put that on my two cents in it. There's a lot of people out there that deserve death for a lot of things that go on right now. But unfortunately, um, you know, those I guess those times are not around or whatever will have you. Bye. But I will say this. There's a difference between, I know the Catholics love to mix the Ten Commandments by saying thou shalt not kill when it's supposed to be thou shalt not murder. There's a complete difference there. Right. But, you know, as far as the molestation, I'd have to side with Bill on that. If there's... Uh, an immediate threat on that, and you witness that going on, and there's, uh, uh, you know, legally speaking, under the Jew law right now, because let's face it, um, 
you know, like I was mentioned earlier, if there was reasons that people need to be brought to death, there's certainly enough of them out there, and I wouldn't go jump in a bandwagon on one particular incident right now. But, um, yeah, this, uh, I'd, I'd want to whoop somebody's ass, I'll tell you that at least. <laughs> I, I tell you, when I was locked up, I whooped some pedophile's ass before couple times so and you know it's really scary about that stuff though uh, i don't know if bill if you experienced it but they they're like the most protected class in, in the penitentiary system is the pedophiles but well i ran um i ran a couple of pedophiles out of elkton right they had to ship them off the compound and, and i was investigated for it i probably shouldn't say that on a recorded program but uh, i'm sure there's no statute of limitations for running pedophiles off a prison compound <laughs> <laughs> Oh, now you're gonna get the ADL and Nambla after you, Bill. <laughs> um, yeah, vengeance. We we don't have Jer- Jeremiah. We we can't. It, it would be just to kill somebody that that's molesting your child. Uh, but we don't. We, we don't have that right to conduct that, that vengeance and and execution under the the Hebrew law that our forefathers forfeited. And in this beast system, like Mike said, they are a protected class. And the federal prison system does is very proactive about protecting pedophiles and child molesters. And most prisoners, most prisoners, even the Negroes, despise pedophiles and child molesters because they all got kids out there that they think of. Yet, you know, they're the only ones that get to molest their kids. That they, they, they all have children out there that they think of, and, and they despise those, those those sort of people. Well, the thing is, it's it's not mine. It's it's my niece. Let let me bring this point up too. When a situation like that happens, it's because of parents aren't on the ball, because I tell you what, that would never happen in, with my kids, because A, I don't leave my kids around nobody that I don't trust, right. B, I don't even, we, we've left them around our own close family, I'm talking our, our own parents very seldom, not that we suspect that our, you know, their grandparents are going to molest them by any means, we don't ever let those kids out of our sight, and unless they try to take our kids by force, which that did happen last year, if you guys remember, our, our second oldest, somebody tried physically taking one from my wife, and she popped guy in the mouth and got the kid back, or a female, I should say, tried to kidnap her kid. And, uh, you know, that's those kind of situations happen because, you know, the parents are like the kind of parents, oh, let's throw on a movie, let's give them to any babysitter or, or daycare center or what have you, and, and are real loose with their children. And that's not how we're supposed to be with our children. It's just to guard them before you guard anything else. And, uh, you know, I find a lot of times a lot of those situations you find happen is because of unwatching parents. Well, absolutely. If you take your – if a, your parents want to go – Go out and party every damn weekend and come home at four in the morning and, and leave the kids with whoever they think might be a good babysitter. You're welcoming that. That's the part the mom I know never liked seeing the niece, my niece alone with anyone. She wouldn't allow it. But I am positive the father left the niece with his family. So he can go do stuff, and I don't trust his family one bit. They're scummy-looking people. They don't even wash their hands, and those are the people I think might have did something. Well, then he needs it. The father needs his butt whooped. Yeah, first. 
I would never be, my wife and I were very careful about who we left our children with. A lot of parents will leave the kids with just about anybody just so they, they could go have a good time for a few hours or a weekend or whatever. That's in, in like Mike said, that that's you have to be um, as wise as a serpent, as harmless as a dove. Yeah, you want to kill the bastard that hurt the kid. But vengeance belongs to God. If you take it on yourself, you're going to end up a lot worse than that, than that pedophile in this Jewish-run society. I'm sure 200 years ago, a man brought to trial for killing the pedophile that molested his kid. The jury would, nine times out of ten, just look the other way. He got what he had coming to him. But it's not like that today. It, it's just not. It, it's a turned-upside-down world. Woe to them who call evil good and good evil. That, that's a parable about the Jew. It's in Isaiah. They're trying to make the world safe for pedophiles right now. The Pope made announcements about it. It's over the next 10 years, you're going to see them push for the normal, normalization uh, of adult-child relation, sexual relationships. Watch. It's the next logical step after after um, they let perverts get married to each other. I wouldn't doubt if you didn't have men walking down the aisle with jackasses in 15 years. <laughs> Mostly Jewish men. I love my animal. I want to marry it. I now pronounce you horse and wife. <laughs> Is that Negro and white woman? Is that what you're saying? No. <laughs> well, well, yeah, right. That's the subtle form of bestiality. The real form's not 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 far behind, right? I mean, two-legged bestiality. Four legs only only suits to follow. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about the next stage after they get this fag stuff going on is they're going to bring on the pedophilia. And then if they get successful with that, they probably will bring on raw bestiality. But, yeah, the pedophilia is definitely next. Uh, you know, our, NAMBLA, the North American Man Boy Love Association, which if you go to their website and actually read their, like, the, it was like the views and views and the criminals, you're like, they're, first of all, they're protected by the ACLU for civil rights, so that should you know, but the, the 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 guy that runs that is Arnold Schoen, and it's a Jew out of New York. So they got a, a Namble is based out of New York City and San Francisco. Uh, you know, that should be pretty obvious. You know, those towns what they're about anyway. But what's you know another side note, kind of unrelated to that is, um, you you know this Lady Gaga whore that they got. She's like the New Age Madonna times ten. I mean, she's just is absolutely dis repulsive. She's repulsive. Oh, she's definitely a, a kikus. Well, here's what's funny, though. You know, one of the top most watched shows out there by all the sheep is this American Idol show. She is going to be the host this next season now, so they'll have her up there pushing all her homosexual agenda, her pedophilia, feminist agenda, and uh, it'll just get sucked up by all the American Idol crowd now. Yes, it will. And I'm sure she'll be up there half-naked all the time. And she's a disgusting pig. Yeah, she, she's pretty vile. <laughs> oh, that, that's on. I said the other day that life under the Jews is a caricature of, of what life should be, and, and it certainly is. It's a grotesque caricature of reality, of what the world should be. And yes, the sewage pump coming out of Hollywood is flowing a lot faster. It's not a mistake that the Jews are all, all, all live in Los Angeles. It, it should be the city of the fallen angels. Yeah, that's funny. That's why all the queers live in San Francisco. It's named after St. Francis of the Sissies. St. Francis of the Sissy. <laughs>
Well, what else do we have tonight? we got to have something more to miss. Clifton, I unmuted you in case you wanted to say anything. I, I don't know. Maybe you don't. Yeah, I, see, uh, I see that you unmuted me. <laughs> I didn't have too much to say, no. But, well, that's okay, just in case a few people suggested it, so. <clears throat> I did know one guy that, uh, I can't think of his name right now, but uh, he was an identity uh, minister out in Denver. And, and he believed that the world was uh, a cube. It was a cube? Yeah, you know, four corners. But well, then you should be able to walk to one of those corners and see the other two sides, right? Well, he said if you took a cube and spin it fast enough and looked around. Wow. <laughs> what a fool. The lack of critical thinking in some people is extremely evident, right? Glaringly so. Now, what critical thinking? Well, I mean, lacking. I I had my tongue in my cheek, John. I'd say it's a perversion. But well, Martin Forty One isn't here tonight, or else the geocentrism thing would have gotten a lot more conversation. I think. When you got identity teachers like that, it it doesn't uh, improve the message very much. Oh, it doesn't. Well, you're talking about the Earth at the center of the universe. Well, that's what geocentrism is, right? Uh, I'm just not sure. Well, that was disproven by Oh Well, there are people even in identity that still cling to it, right? You know, Bill, I mean, some... Um, idiotic problems, I think. It could be the, uh, about Nazis or whatever, or it could be in just in now CI. Uh, are these people agents, or they are just really that dumb? <laughs> I think it's a combination of both. I mean, you, you touched on something uh, like Christian equality, Bill. Uh, is what what are we considering about with God? Uh, just our our moral standing, right? Well, I think we're judged on, on um, what gifts we were given and what we did with them and, and on how we treated our brother. By the way, that uh, minister's name was William Blessing. Maybe somebody out there knows of him. That name is really familiar. There's so many whack jobs in CI. It's like everybody that can't, every round peg that can't fit into the square holes of, 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 of the major denominations calls himself Christian identity. I well, Bill, I think well, you uh, said, uh, I should say, gave me the criteria of how to judge truly CI or not, and that's if they call themselves a pastor. Yeah, well, I, I mean, it's it's very clear that we we have people with various gifts, and, and we, we could have um, teachers in the assembly and, and people with different talents, but I, I wouldn't take a title to try to elevate myself above my brethren. The, the, um, the model of scriptures that we're all, we're all brothers and we have one leader and one teacher. And people that, that cling to titles are clinging to some semblance of phony authority. Yeah, that William Blessing, he wrote a book, uh, he called it Outer Space People and Inner Earth People. It was a straight nut. They can't accept the physical world as it is. They have to have mysteries that nobody else understands. But only they can impart. 
secret knowledge. But they won't tell you where they got it from. Got it from. Give it to me on Gave golden tablets. Tablets. Listen, I'm getting Listen. some feedback from you. It's, it's bad. I'll, I'll shut the. I'm sorry. Down here. But we got to get you on push to talk. All right. If there's nothing else, I'm just going to wrap it up. If, if somebody doesn't spark some conversation, it's um, it's an hour and a half. It, it could be better than this, but I see a whole bunch of people turned in for the night already. Okay, this is William Fink. This is the Chris DeGenier Open Forum, and it's Monday, May 9th. Thank you for being here, and good night.